Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Seven Days to Rock and Stone Guardians. How are we doing today, Rai? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Finally got my fancy little replacement flipper while I wait for my implant to be made. And, uh, you know, just uh, kind of coasting along, doing my research. Nice, nice. And what are we doing this week? This week, we are going to be talking about the symbiotes, and hopefully we'll get to the king in black. Hopefully get to the king in black? Yeah, listen, man, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, I mean, you did go, we did have our, our longest one yet with Carnage last week. Yeah, I was listening to that one today, and I was like, this is great. But, like, I see points where it could have been expanded much, much longer. So, uh, if you're out there listening and you want to hear more about something, if you want to see it change to the format, you know, shoot us a tweet. And uh, we'll take that under advisement. Got it. Oh, well. Yeah. But don't, don't, don't backseat podcast, though. <laughs> we did a whole lot with, uh, with Carnage last week. Um, I mean, he's a fairly new character. But Null himself, the King in Black, is a, f- a super new character, right? Null is a, a lot newer. Um, however, it can sometimes be hard to gauge exactly how much content there is for a given character because if they're focusing on that particular corner of the universe, they're just going to let artists and writers go ham on creating stuff to fill that corner of the world. So, um, like, there's this whole like null handbook that you can get that's like kind of long uh there's stuff that goes back into the history of the symbiotes that they've like refreshed to be like oh no this was you know null that was back there at this time and he might not have been called null they might have not really even said a name um but they're now referring to that force behind you know xyz as uh null or something else um so they're they're really you know uh, fleshing out their universes um, as much as they can uh, during these events yeah. and before and after. When I say Null's not the big character, he was a, originally, originally I should say, introduced at um, in that Thor God of Thunder series, but they never gave him a name. He was just referred to as a dark or black god or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, the, the thing that... Um, I found said uh, he's referred to as a primordial force. And where's the, which one? Um, which comic series is that? In that in the uh, Thor God of Thunder one. I didn't see that in a comic. That was from the uh, symbiote uh, Wikipedia page. Oh yeah, they also yeah they mentioned that in the uh, Marvel wiki as well that he is the primordial god of the void that existed before the universe. Fun fact for everyone else. Find... Fun fact. Fun fact. fun fact. I got uh, a fun, just one, just one fun fact. Fun, fun we'll, fact. We'll get another, other stuff, but there are other characters that we'll run into eventually at some point. Um, I, I would love to do a, a whole series on this guy himself that uh, existed before our universe. And this is the seventh iteration currently, right? Of the cosmos that we're I'm at. not exactly sure what number, but they have refreshed the, the cosmos several times. I believe. Uh, I think it's the seventh. Could be wrong, but I'll uh, I'll look that up. So anyway, Null existed before uh, the universe, 
and so did this guy. He he existed in the sixth iteration of the cosmos, and then he fall, He just existed beyond that, and then he came back. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, no, I'm not sure. What? Gal- lay it on me. Galactus. Ooh. Well, is is if I'm not mistaken, Galactus is a celestial, right? Uh, not really. No. They may have referred to him as that, just like they mistakenly referred to Ego, the living planet, in the MCU as a celestial. But he okay. he, ex- he just existed before the universe, and then the celestials came and they they created our universe. Okay. Uh, before we get too deep, because I do touch on that a little bit, cool. Uh, I'm gonna read off to you guys the release for this week, uh, four thirteen. Lay it on me. Um, from LeagueOfComicGeeks.com where you can find the weekly loadouts if you just Google new comic books this week. Uh, so from DC, we talked about Flashpoint Beyond Zero. Woo! I, yeah, I posted that the other day. Nice. Yep. Beyond Zero is coming out, and then Beyond Zero, uh, Beyond Number 1 is coming out in uh, May. Okay. So keep an eye I, on that. I'm definitely going to keep an eye I did not pick that up. I didn't see it at my shop, but I also forgot to look for it. So There's a new shop around uh, the corner from where I am. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. New comic shop showing up. Also, yeah. also selling well, video games, I think, too. But And they're probably well, doing land parties for little kids, but that's cool. As long yeah, as they yeah. got comics. Exactly. Uh, we got Wonder Woman 786, Batman Catwoman 11, Superman Son of Kal-El 10, Batman 89, number 5, Batman Urban Legends 14, Batgirls, number 5, I am Batman number eight. Green Lantern number 12, which is the John Stewart Green Lantern. Uh, Future State Gotham number 12. The Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number one. Suicide Squad Blaze 2. Naomi Season 2 number two. And Mad Magazine 25 from DC. Mad Magazine? Uh, yeah, I'm apparently owned by DC now. I haven't seen or read Mad Magazine in years, but I uh, love Mad Magazine. Very nice. In news for DC, uh, Warner Media is merging with Discovery, and they're going by the name Warner Media Discovery, I believe. Oh, interesting. Doesn't um, HBO own Discovery or just Discovery Plus? Uh, HBO is owned by Warner Media. So that's why you see all the DC stuff on HBO. Um, They are deciding currently what they're going to be doing about the DCEU uh, with this merger coming to fruition later this year. Interesting. So anybody who's got HBO Max, hold on to it or get rid of it now and wait until they decide on what they're going to do with Discovery because they're going to merge HBO Max and Discovery Plus. So Cool. Yeah, I would say uh, if you have it already, go and check out uh, some of the DC tv shows that are on there the doom really patrol good. specifically like, would be yep. a very good one to pick up doom patrol i like teen titans brendan frazier i think it's just called titans titans is good too i mean brendan frazier come on yeah brendan frazier from the mummy and george of the jungle yep. <laughs> now that's going back that takes me back <sighs> brendan frazier is the shit. way back in the day <laughs> yeah he, he seems like a like a solid nice dude he, I saw him. I saw him come to tears during an interview when they asked him if um, he knew about the cult following of people that have tried to revive his career without him knowing. Oh, oh he, boy! Yeah, it was nice. Seems yeah. like seems like a seems decent sweet. dude, at least to his fans. Yeah, 
I mean, you do it the best you can, right? Uh, you can only do so uh, much. I, I mean, unless you're a super douche, like I don't want. I'm not. I'm not gonna mention. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and fill that one in for you, uh, Jake Paul. Fuck Jake Paul. Who cares exactly. about that dick? Exactly. Influencers in general exactly. can suck it. I don't pretend that I I want to be an influencer with this podcast. All I want to do is sit here and have a conversation with you. And I if know, other people just trying to rally you up a little bit. And if anybody wants to listen, that's cool too. Yeah. And that's what that's this is cool. about. Anyways, on to Marvel. Uh we got X Men number ten, Venom seven, Venom Miles seven. Morales, Spider Man thirty seven, uh Star Wars Darth Vader twenty two, Star Wars number twenty two, Eternals eleven, which is the second book into the uh event that's going to be upcoming avengers versus eternals so we'll be on the lookout for that because that's upcoming awesome i'm really excited about that one it sounds like it's gonna be real neat <laughs> uh and you got like thanos stuff happening in the background of that one so maybe we'll get into that once we get past uh symbiotes i like to find the little one-off comics once in a while and one that i really enjoyed was um <clears throat> thanos wins have you ever okay. read that one no, I haven't read that one. That's a little one-off comic issue, and it's really cool. You get to see what happens when Thanos gets everything that he always wanted, and then he lives out the rest of his days as just, I don't know, doing nothing. Gardening, farming. Eventually, he just grows old, lives on forever with the Hulk, uh, who he takes as a pet. And then all, and then Banner dies, so that it's just the Hulk now. It's pretty cool. I would, I, I would pick that one up. Okay. Uh, it's available on Google Play Books, which I, I is usually where I get most of my comics, unless I want to. It's real. called Thanos Wins. Thanos Wins. I'll put that one on the uh, on the old Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, if you like the one-offs, um, you know, just like the the Disney Plus show What If, there are a lot of uh, What If books out there. Uh, they're currently doing one for Miles Morales. Is they have uh, they've changed the formula a little bit, so they're doing five book series for What If. So the first one was the uh, Spider-Man symbiote suit saga, and what if he kept the suit? And then uh, awesome, the one they're doing now is What If Miles Morales, and it seems like each book is going to be dedicated to What If Miles Morales was this hero from the Marvel universe, which I think is really neat. That's pretty cool. That's nice. Yeah, I I always like those like little like offshoots that kind of take you out of all the other stuff that's going on. What if in general is is just a, a really solid comic, and I'm re- I, I'm I need to look up. We need to we need to do a series on that one later on. We'll do a whole what yes, if yeah. what if selection as well as bring in the current television series too. Uh, so we also got Black Panther number five, X Men. 92 house of 92 number one what if miles morales number two and that's uh what if he is wolverine uh captain carter number two and electra number 100 now we got some stuff from image we got uh noctera number nine king spawn number nine image number one 30th anniversary it's a collection of short uh little stories for their 30th anniversary uh, Rain number four, Farmhand sixteen, uh, Town Called Terror number one, Nita Hawes 
<laughs> Nightmare blog number six. I miswrote that as Sightmare. So I was like, what? what <laughs> uh, Boom has uh, Mighty Morphin number 18, another uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers book. Nice. Seven Secrets number 16 and Angel number four. We also get a couple of titles from Vault this week. The awesome. last book you'll ever read, number seven. The Rush, number five. Human Remains, number seven. And We Ride Titans, number three. Cool. So that's that's our list for the week. There's definitely more books. Uh, so check that out on leavecomicgeeks.com. And you can get all of the releases week to week. And you can scroll back and forth between weeks, too, to see if you missed anything. Nice. <clears throat> I do love that you you pick out some of the good ones. Yeah, I try to to get a smattering like, uh, and you know, between Marvel, DC, and then some of the other publishers too, so we get a selection. We should know. bring it. We should uh, we should look up some Dark Horse stuff. I do like Dark Horse comics. You know, there are. Uh, it looks like they are still publishing a few things, but I've only seen like one or two titles. So I yeah, I think a little bit of research into that would be good for sure well then i will i will look it up now for next week dark horse comics i'm pretty sure is the one who wrote or who uh, publishes umbrella academy if I'm um, not yes i i believe you're right by uh gerard way i can't remember who does the illustrations for that but um i love gerard way in general that dude's got a crazy mind yeah yeah uh they actually had um a, a small arc for Klaus recently, uh, it's called You Look Like Death, and it's really interesting. <laughs> it's a really fun storyline, um, so I, I definitely recommend any of the uh, Umbrella Academy stuff. It's a fun read, for sure. Continue. Okay. Okay. Uh, do we have any like uh, little prompts today before we get into all of the sweet, sweet symbiote goodness? I think this was your your week. I did last that was week. My week. Oh, say, say. You son of a uh, bitch. Oh, we're gonna reveal well, I, what I, the, I, the name of it is this week. Yeah, go for it. Our rock and stone set the tone. Question. Okay, so to uh, kind of counter how heavy some of these events are and uh, would be, uh, I want to ask you, Kevin, what uh, Disney character? would you be and why any disney character past present uh yeah mm-hmm. that's a good question let's see here let's see here jack skellington's a good one i would totally okay. be jack skellington but, the but pumpkin why? King. why why would you be jack skellington uh because then i would uh look like a twig i wouldn't be so big no that's not the real reason but oh <laughs> Um, okay, I'd essentially be immortal, and I could kick the boogeyman's ass. What do you like? The boogeyman. I mean, he does have some really sweet moves when fighting Oogie Boogie. I mean, Oogie Boogie being being the nightmare of Oogie Boogie is pretty damn awesome. Yeah, you're the boogeyman's boogeyman. Exactly. Yeah, I would totally choose <clears throat> Jack Skellington. What about you? Um, I think I got to go with uh, Gonzo. I gotta be Gonzo. Gonzo. <laughs> just like, you know, you can just be like wild. And everybody's like, oh, it's just Gonzo. That's just Gonzo. That's what he does. Yeah. Also, I can fire myself out of a cannon with uh, like literally no repercussions. <laughs> nope. Not even burned. No, no. 
Well, sometimes, but not that much. <laughs> Usually your eyebrows are just missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always paint those back on. That's great. Yeah. It, oh, that's pretty I good. thought it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, Disney characters in general, those are uh, usually set up for kids, but you got to think about how many dark characters they now have now that they have a control of uh, Fox Studios. I know. Uh, what's your opinion on the uh, <clears throat> alien queen technically now being a Disney princess? <laughs> uh, about as good as my opinion of Colonel... What the hell? Not not, not Colonel. What's... Klinger. Klinger from MASH is also a Disney princess. <laughs> that, was owned, that was a property more owned by 21st him. century. There well, let's some... talk about some more Disney characters. Yeah. We're going to talk about Marvel. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're going into the uh, the symbiotes, right? The symbiotes. The symbiotes. All right. Hit me. What are, what are right. we starting with? We're talking about the history of the species known as the Clintar and colloquially as symbiotes. The story begins at the beginning of the universe with Null and the Celestials. The Celestials mm. began to plan to evolve and develop the universe to. Which Noel's like, hey, are you guys going to tell me? Because, like, this is my shit. So to combat the slight on his realm, the Void, he crafts the first symbiote called the All Black and uses it to decapitate a Celestial. I think it's pretty harsh. There's a fun fact about that. Oh, hit me. We've seen that Celestial in the uh, MCU. That's right. Uh, Celestial... Head is seen in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One also, as also known as Nowhere. There you go. <clears throat> so Nowhere. that's quite quite interesting. It really does point to the fact that we probably will see Null at some point in the future. I think they're definitely driving towards it, especially with the popularity of the Venom movies. Uh, for sure, especially because we have, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of evidence to point to it. Number one, they left part of a symbiote in the MCU when Venom's character disappeared. Uh, we have to assume that that's going to be one of spawn or sorry, uh, one of the spawns of, of Venom. We just don't know which one yet. Gore, the God Butcher is showing up in Thor God, uh, sorry, Thor Love and Thunder. Well, I mean, strictly speaking, uh, even that, like, uh, even if it's just part of Venom itself, uh, during that part where uh, Venom's talking to Eddie, the symbiote hive exists in all Marvel universes, is essentially what uh, it sounded like he said. So he was drawing on the experience from the hive to pull them into the... Yeah, because the void is supposed to exist outside of space and time, so it should exist yeah. in the nexus of uh, the multiverse. Yeah, and we're getting into Nexus events with uh, Scarlet Witch in the Multiverse of Madness. Woo! But yeah, no, the Gore the God Butcher is obviously going to show up. We know this because we've seen, I've seen the pictures with uh, Christian Bale. Right, right. We already know the casting. We've seen uh, and that. We, and, we all, and if anybody has paid attention to our podcast before, we've mentioned him as being the owner of the all-black Necrosword. And he goes and on a killing spree of, of the gods. And that's uh, just what we're getting to now. So, yeah. as I was saying, it, it might have been a little harsh to decapitate a celestial. I think, you know, he could have maybe started with, like, a sternly worded letter, like, Dear Celestials, 
I see you have plans for my yard. Perhaps we could meet to talk about said yard before any seen, actions are taken. Have you seen what he looks like? All of his pictures are crazy. Oh yeah, no, they're super crazy, and he essentially looks like a um, a a drag a jogger from uh, Skyrim, like a a Nordic mm. mummified soldier that like barely has skin. He looks like he's a like cross nuts. between. Adam Warlock in the comics and the Joker. I can bit. see that a little bit. Like when it depends on who's who's drawing him. Like sometimes right. he's like straight up crazy looking with a giant monstrous open jaw, long tongue and uh sharp teeth. And then yeah, and sometimes he looks more human. Colorful. Yeah, and then sometimes he looks more human, but he's very gaunt. So yes. you could tell he's, he's very much like uh, the white version of Adam Warlock, who, for those who don't know, is gold-skinned. Yes. Like the Sovereign that we saw in Go- Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, he is one of the Sovereign. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he was incubating in the thingy at the end of the volume 2. Incubating in the thingy. We already know who's yep. going who's gonna to play him in... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Will Poulter. Will Poulter. Uh, for those who don't know who Will Poulter is, he was in... <clears throat> what the hell is it? He was the kid in We're the Millers. Do you remember that? Movie? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was okay. the, the weird nerdy kid in that. Yeah. Dude's totally ripped out now. <laughs> He's definitely MCU bod right now. <laughs> Good for him. Can only be so lucky. Right. So, yeah, that's who's going to play uh, Guardian. There, sorry, Adam Warlock, and uh, I think it's a good choice. We'll we'll see. We'll find out. Okay. Well, let's move on. Continue. Uh, so the Celestials then banish Null to the very edge of the known universe, and the head of the Celestial eventually becomes nowhere as shown in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, uh, cut that. Uh, cut just that. cut. Just cut, cut that. that. Cut it. Uh, while in the void with the Celestial head. Null uses the head as a forge to create more symbiotes, ultimately causing their weakness to sound and fire. Armed with several symbiote weapons, Null goes on a crusade against other galactic gods to prove his supremacy, but crashes upon a barren planet where the all-black leaves Null and finds Gore, drawn by his murderous rage, who then tries to kill Null. This leads Null to create an army of symbiotes which he uses to decimate planets across the galaxy. Those include dragon-shaped symbiotes that become known as Grendels and even come to medieval Earth, where ah, yes. Thor destroys the Grendels they and have, severs uh, the symbiote's connection to Null. Yeah, they have a... Uh, supposedly, in the in the Marvel Universe, they have a interaction very similar to what's going on in Beowulf, for those who know. Um, Grendel and Grendel's mother the two dragons that end up showing up. Yes, and then uh, a very young Thor deals with them. A very um, young partier Thor. Yeah. Party party Thor. Uh, not quite the party Thor from What If, but almost, almost. I, I mean, very much so, although they didn't have the kind of technology that he had available to him, but he was a partier. Yeah, definitely partying. Uh, freed from Null, the symbiote hive mind begins to develop concepts of honor and benevolence from the hosts they have bonded to. With the new knowledge, the Clintar rebel against Null and imprison him in the heart of their artificial planet, known as Clintar. 
in the Andromeda galaxy. Ashamed of their past, used as tools of violence and conquest, the Clintar planned to build a force of benevolent warriors to repay the universe for their misuse. However, the hosts ultimately become the problem as their potential mental imbalances or twisted morality changes the symbiotes to act like the host. So they really influence each other. So the symbiote influences the host as much as the host influences the symbiote. Now, this is after Null's uh, control over them is severed, correct? Yes. Yes. Got it. Because it was real. Yes. To, it was real complicated to to get a timeline on everything, and, and the only place that I could honestly find it was uh, Marvel dot com. They gave me a timeline of how everything fits together. Yeah, and even that's not complete for sure. No, 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 no. You got to do yeah, a little extra, a little extra research on that. So, uh, ultimate, these failed bondings cause much of the universe to fear and hate the Clintar. Ah, uh, uh, Aven- what's up? Yep. I was just saying. Ah, yeah. did we mention what the Clintar word stands for, or have we? I did not oh. hit it. Now, there's a couple of different things they they say. Uh, on Marvel Wiki, they say the symbiote word for cage, Clintar, has been used uh, because that's where they eventually trap and hold Null inside the planet. Now they also call it, say it's prison somewhere else on Marvel.com. Okay. I, I have to go with Marvel's uh, definition at this point, only because Mar- right. Marvel Wiki is a fan-based database. So I will I will go with prison on this one. As opposed to cage. Okay, they, I mean, not too, not too far apart from each other. No, they're pretty close. So either way, very nice, very nice. And eventually, the artificial planet is believed destroyed by Galactus, uh, with a noble Clintar known as ZZZ. I'm sorry, not noble, notable. A noble, Clintar. come on now. The noble, uh, notable Clintar known as ZZZXX. Or uh, as I choose to believe it's pronounced, just like uh, this is like <laughs> Stargate Showery, Showery, or Guauld, Guauld, Guauld. So uh, the the planet does have a confrontation with Galactus and the Silver Surfer, which embeds them into the minds of the hive mind Clintar. Uh, no, I'm going to play spoilers here. That shows up later on, right, for Carnage. Uh, absolutely. It shows up for Carnage, and it also shows up pre-King in Black. Hot. So, uh, with uh, Zizix, it escapes into Shi'ar space to be captured by the Imperium until the mutant brother of Scott Summers, Gabriel Summers, and we know Scott Summers as Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Uh, he usurps the throne and employs Zizix as a Praetorian guard until it finds itself imprisoned by Kulin Gath, a sorcerer from Hyboria, trying to resurrect and steal the power of a god of death by kidnapping violent heroes and sacrificing them to uh, that god of death. In Savage Avengers number one, Conan the Barbarian bonds with Zizix to form a symbiote sword. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, I also highly, highly recommend that series, uh, especially if you're looking for something that's a little bit more visceral, like uh, if you're not too squeamish with the blood and the guts and the dismemberment and oi, 
I mean, if you're squeamish with that, you really shouldn't be reading anything about Carnage. Uh, yeah, Carnage, like, Venom. Yeah, the symbiotes in general. Stuff, yeah. All of those comics are pretty graphic. They do, uh, they do carry the parental advisory, just so everybody out there knows. Uh, these books are, you know, they're they're fine. They're books. They're written, uh, and they deal with the subject matter, but it is uh, sometimes graphic in its depiction. Uh, this brings us to the origin of Venom. The Kree what? acquired a new... <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, the Kree acquired a newborn symbiote that they used to try and infiltrate the Skrull, the shape-shifting aliens. This works for a short time, but eventually fails, resulting in Tel-Kar, the Kree agent, erasing much of the symbiote's memory. With what little it retained, it retreated to the closest group of Klintar, where it tries to convince the others it's better to work with the host than to use the host for the Klintar's ambitions, since they are uh, still... Uh, mostly intent on using their hosts as tools rather than to uh, work with them Where have as we heard partners. This before, hmm. they are deaf. Not about that, and contain. <laughs> I can't believe I wrote that. They're they're definitely not about that, and contain the symbiote in a capsule and yeet it onto a planet that is eventually transformed into one of the Beyonders battle worlds. Ah, nice. Yeah. Now we see where this is going, don't we? Yeah, we're getting into the Secret Wars. Secret Wars. I love Secret Wars. Everyone should read that. It's it's Marvel classic at its best. Oh, absolutely. This is definitely one of the classic stories that you need to read, but we're not going to talk about that much because there's a lot of stuff to talk about with that. That's a huge, uh, it's very, very large. So we see this planet appear in the Secret Wars arc from 1984. In this story, Spider-Man comes into possession of the black symbiote costume after finding the device it was trapped in. Upon his return to Earth, Spider-Man finds out the costume is actually an alien life form and separates the symbiote from himself in a church steeple. While below sits disgraced journalist Eddie Brock, fuming at Spider-Man for allegedly ending his career and troubled relationship. The symbiote bonds with Eddie, creating the anti-hero we know and love as Venom. Venom. We are Venom. We are Venom. I can't do it. I can't get that deep. <laughs> uh, fun fact. Uh, Deadpool acquires a symbiote for a short period before Spider-Man and appears to be the cause for Venom's erratic behavior and may ultimately be the reason Carnage is as drawn to chaos as he is. Interesting. Um, now this is... This it's is not obviously... shown in Secret Wars. This is... I, retconned in a more recent story. I was going to say, I, th- I believe I had read this after the Secret Wars, where Deadpool was there, but um, obviously wasn't interacting with anybody. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I don't remember the exact title, but it's something like Deadpool's Secret Wars. I believe and that's it, exactly what it's. it's. It's essentially just inserting him into the story in as many ways as possible. It's great. Uh, as most things with Deadpool usually are. I, I'm going uh, so. I'm I'm to throw it out there right now. If anybody wants to read a good Deadpool story, that's just... And bear in mind, this is going to be pretty graphic. A very graphic story, actually. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. And Deadpool kills the Mar- Marvel Universe again. I would pick those up. I also have those, and I really enjoyed those stories. 
You get to you actually get to learn a lot about different characters you probably didn't know existed in the Marvel universe. Yeah, characters that they kind of just let sit by the side. Yeah, exactly. And this is a this is a fantastic way to get to know them, sort of, or at least get to know their names, and then you can do a little more research, find out what those characters are, and then find you know good comics to read about them. So pick those up Absolutely. if you get a chance. All right, so we're not going to go too deep into the individual Venom storylines. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the spawn of Venom and how we get to the King in Black uh, so that we don't <laughs> go through like 10 or 20 episodes before we get there. Okay, it was called Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars. Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars. So you're pretty, better. you were close. So. I was close, yeah. Continue. All right, so we're going to talk about the spawn of Venom. So we know Firstborn is Carnage, left behind as Eddie rebonds to Venom and escapes prison. Uh, Venom's next five spawn come from the Life Foundation, forcing Venom to produce offspring. Riot, Phage, Lasher, Scream, and Agony. And they're seen most prominently in the arc known as Separation Anxiety. Over time, Eddie became more reluctant to continue acting with the symbiote and sells it to a mobster, Don Fortuno, who bonds it to his son. Now, Venom hates Fortuno's cowardice and abandons him midair, killing him. And he later finds and bonds to former criminal, uh, former criminal Mac Gargan, also known as the Scorpion. Gargan ultimately cannot control the Venom symbiote and engages more and more, often in devouring its victims. Meanwhile, Brock is cleared of crimes committed as Venom by the work of Matt Murdock. We all know him as Daredevil. Daredevil. Charlie Cox is going to be playing him for the foreseeable future. I think that's great. I think, honestly, one of the best uh, castings and, I guess, arcs in those early Marvel Netflix shows. I can only hope that they also bring, um, oh, what's her real name? Kristen Ritter, yes. who plays Jessica Jones back, although I don't see her character playing a huge role overall. If they're going to go into Dark Avengers, New Avengers, she could. Yeah, that, de- that depends on where and where they're going to go with that. But, exactly, yeah. Uh, I really hope they bring her back. I'm personally favorable of them bringing back all of the uh, Defenders characters, except for Danny <laughs> except Rand. Except for Danny Rand. Fuck that guy, and... Like, is, he was so boring. Source, How are you boring? This is a source of extreme uh, displeasure that we are finding out from Ryan here. That that the character of Danny Rand was so goddamn terrible. Yeah. <laughs> How, How are you, as the main character, not even half as interesting as the supporting characters? And it's not like it would have been hard to do that. I think, honestly, it's just the... It just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. Oh, who was a a sneaker in the the defenders? Um, Rosario Dawson's character. I can't remember what it is. Uh, the night nurse. Yeah, she was. I mean, Rosario Dawson. She's the best. Anything yeah. she's ever been in, I loved her in. And I really enjoyed the first season of Luke Cage. The second one was all right, but it was kind of samey. Yeah. But I I I liked the actor. Yeah, uh, Jessica Jones was good. I think the the third season was eh, all right, but the guy, it, yeah, it the was guy, still good. 
Yeah, the guy who played uh, Luke Cage on a show called Evil, which you can find on Paramount Plus. Yeah, he's a great actor, and that's a very good show. It's very religious in nature, but it doesn't like throw it in your face. Yeah, which is good. And like, I, the definitely the way you need to handle it. And uh, yeah, John Barenthal as the Punisher was great. Like, there's a well written story, performed well. I think treated in an a fair and appropriate way. And like, and then you get the mortal dragon. Oh God, I just can't. It, Iron Fist ha- deserves such, so much better than that. I, feel, I can, I can a, hear you shaking with rage. There's a, oh, <laughs> there was such a great <laughs> arc from like the early two thousands that like really defined and set apart that character, uh, even better than the like earlier arcs did. Um, and brings in a lot of the like mythos around that type of stuff in the Marvel universe. Yeah. And like, not only that, but like the character, the way he was written, the way he was performing the show is like, so against what the comic books have established for that character, because like, uh, you know, he's just like some kid that to some rich people that crashed in this mystical mountain. And, you know, he ends up, eventually fighting and defeating the immortal dragon and getting his powers and becoming the mortal iron fist. Mm -hmm. And like he, he literally dedicates his entire life to that. And then, you know, when he goes back to New York, like he still lives that, but like the show didn't do that and made him this whiny little shit. And it's like, (laughs) he just spent this whiny little shit. He spent, he, literally decades like just toning his body and working the way that the the martial artists of Kunlun trained him to be and it did it, it uh, uh, uh so i hope you sen- can feel my disgust so essentially what you're saying is the people who wrote that show took their i don't think they read any of the books took their dicks out and pissed all over decades of of work that had been established in the Marvel comics. I think they had like a straight up sword fight over the source material. <laughs> yeah. They crossed the streams for sure. They were crossing the streams. You don't cross the streams. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> now the rant's over. Disengage. Right. Yes, disengage and let's continue <laughs> on with what we're here to talk about. <laughs> okay. So Venna, uh, Brock is cleared of his crimes by Matt Murdock. And cured mysteriously by Mr. Negative, Martin Lee's light force, uh, since he did also have cancer, just like Carnage. Uh, the Venom symbiote eventually finds its way back to Brock and attempts to rebond with him, but is rebuffed by fragments of itself left in Brock and transformed by Mr. Negative's light force, turning Brock into the new powerful symbiote, Whoa. Anti-Venom. Woo! Yes, which I think I totally forgot to talk about on the Carnage one, which I said I was going to get to, and then I totally ignored. Well, uh, we made mention of Agent <laughs> Anti-Venom at we one did. point. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he transformed into Anti-Venom at that point. Uh, with the failure to rebond to Brock, Venom returns to Gargan where it is separated from him and bonded to Flash Thompson, becoming Agent Venom. Ooh. The U.S. government creates hybrid from four of Venom Spawn, Agony, Lasher, Phage, and Riot, 
Mania slash Maniac is created by the Arat Corporation from Left Behind Venom material. And it bonds with Andy Benton as Mania and Lee Price as Maniac. Unstable awesome. and murdery like Carnage. Yeah, so um, Weren't there several Price... different... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, weren't there several different... Um... I don't know. I wouldn't say government agencies, but there were several attempts to use the symbiotes to create super soldiers at some point. Yes. So um, there's Agent Venom, which is Flash Thompson, but there's also a character known as Lee Price, who uh, performed as Agent Venom. Uh, There is the Mercury team, which we talked about in Carnage USA. Uh, I believe there are there are definitely examples earlier than that. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking that one up because I, I, I. But I, it does usually involve um, Venom's spawn. The Sim Soldier program. Okay, lay familiar? it on us. Are you familiar with that one? It um, sounds familiar, but I can't. <coughs> I guess. Exactly. So the Grendel that arrived on Earth during the uh, time where Thor ran into it was killed, and its remains were buried deep within Earth's surface. It still had potent abilities locked within its carcass. S.H.I.E.L.D. found the remains of the Grendel. They tried to use the symbiote dragon's remains to create smaller symbiote progenies in an attempt to recreate the super soldier serum. Um, This project was termed the Sim Soldier Program, um, and since Null shared a a direct telepathic link with the Grendel, every time a soldier was injected with Grendel's symbiote remains, he or she would be driven insane by Null, who would attempt to assert his control over the hosts of the program. Okay, okay. It seems like they did it during um, Vietnam at some point. They called it the Sim Soldier Program. Oh, I think that might be part of a tie-in to uh, King in Black. Uh, oh, okay. it, probably, called, it probably is. I think it's uh, a book called Weapon Plus, which is uh, kind of like the American version of Weapon X. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Now that rings a bell. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, so, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, Sleeper uh, is a seed left in Venom during the Life Foundation's tampering and is eventually birthed in an Alchemax facility and helps Eddie after Telkar, one of the original hosts of Venom, to use against the scroll again. So uh, we see Sleeper, the most recent spawn of Venom, uh, bonding with Eddie to help recover Venom from Telkar and the the Kree. Nice. In Extreme Carnage, which is uh, one that comes after the King in Black, uh, Andy Benton and Scream are mortally wounded but held in suspension by Alchemax Dr. Stevens, who takes the remaining Scream remains with a donation from Agent Anti-Venom Flash Thompson and creates the Anti-Venom Serum, which results in a new symbiote named Silence, who possesses the power to remove a symbiote from the hive mind. That one, I think, is going to be really cool and will ultimately play, uh, I think, a bigger role because they definitely foreshadow um, Alchemax and Dr. Stevens' involvement in... uh, symbiote-related matters going forward at the end of uh, Extreme Carnage. Carnage. What's the Carnage. current? What's the current? Yeah. What's the current Carnage event? Go the uh, so the the most recent event was Extreme Carnage. We now have an ongoing series simply called Carnage, 
Uh, so Carnage number one, 2022, would be the uh, start of the new uh, Carnage line. And we have a ongoing Venom uh, arc Yes. called, uh, it doesn't have a name, it's just Venom. Okay. Uh, we're on book seven right now. And uh, to talk about the events of that one would supersede exactly what we're about to get into. So, so let's not do that. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. We're taking we, your time. Yeah, we're we're going to stroll on into it at a nice, <laughs> leisurely pace. All right. Take us away, Captain All Right. Uh, we also got the spawn of Carnage, which we'll go over real quick. Toxin, which we know is originally bonded to Patrick Murphy, but has also bonded with Eddie Brock and has recently been seen again in uh, one of the books of Extreme Carnage. Uh, Scorn, Dr. Tannis Knees. Malice, Raze, Bedlam. Almost all of Carnage's spawn have been absorbed by Venom, uh, with the exception of Toxin. And uh, you see Scorn get mostly absorbed by Carnage in Absolute Carnage. But uh, I think, like most of the other things, probably not totally gone. So I'm sure we'll see it again. No. Uh, so, Nothing's ever uh, really gonna... gone in the Marvel no. Universe. It's. Is unfortunately true, and we can talk about our pit. Let's talk about our opinion on that at the end a little bit, because I think that's something for me that kind of creates some like sticking points. I don't know about you. What but, that, uh, that nothing is ever truly gone. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I got. Yeah, some, I got some opinion thoughts. on that. All right. So, uh, small. So this small absolute carnage recall at the end of absolute carnage event. Carnage, Cleus Cassidy, is killed by Venom, Eddie Brock, to save his son Dylan and Normie Osborn, but results in the awakening of Null as power is released from the combination of symbiotes Carnage had absorbed. So the King in Black event is created by Donnie Cates, artist Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer, Clayton Cowles, Frank Martin for the core books, and there are a bunch of sideline books and tie-ins and everything uh, created by other Marvel artists, so Definitely check those out. You can find the information for that on League of Comic Geeks as well as uh, the Marvel webpage and other resources. Um, so the prelude, the prelude to the King in Black. Uh, so there's quite a bit of spacey battle intrigue involving most major super parties that have loose ties to the King in Black event. First is the events of Empire which had the Kotati Empire invade and attempt to destroy, control Earth, and kill Hulkling, a member of the Young Avengers, who had been revealed to be the heir to the Skrull Kree Empire. Holy crap. Uh, at, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that sentence has quite like a bit of stuff in it. There was a, quite a lot of tie-in there to yes. all sorts of things. So the Empire event is like its whole own big thing uh, involving... Uh, you know, Hulkling, the Skrull, the Kree, uh, the Kotati, X-Men. There's like a a ton of stuff for that event. That one I felt was like, a, a, it's definitely a, a good one to read if you like the like more spacey uh, themed Marvel stuff. And for the kids at home, this will become a common theme when, when we're talking about things. You'll end up finding that there's so many interconnections between all of the different comic books that we just sort of have to glaze over the ones that are, I wouldn't say unimportant to keep an eye on, but for our overall story that we're trying to go over at the moment. 
they're completely unimportant and you can you can look them up later on or we'll go over them later on at some point oh absolutely there's just there's so much going on to branch off into every little thing would uh make this uh just uh, unfortunately too long 10 hour uh, podcast and you yeah. guys don't want to listen to our voices for that long right and you'll, you'll need a break that's why we got our nice little snippets <laughs> so after this invasion hulkling and his husband wiccan start working to create a permanent alliance between the kree and skull scroll people during these events talos the super scroll is dispatched to check on an emergency broadcast with a small crew, including Tarna. On the derelict ship, the Skrull are confronted by symbiotes, Clintar, and are taken one by one until only Talos is left. He records a message as he seals himself in an escape pod, saying not to open the pod, and that Null is coming. This is one of many events that broadcast the coming of Null, and the path he and his symbiotes take through space on their way to Earth. This is the same Talos that we saw in Captain Marvel. Maybe. Um, so it really depends on if they're going to take him the Super Scroll route, which we may not even see or know until the Fantastic Four are introduced. Mm. Because Talos is the Super Scroll is one of their big villains. Uh, but I mean, possibly. Entirely possible. Yeah. We also know that there's going to be the Secret Invasion. Um, right from uh, the MC. I think that was pushed back, though. It might have been. I don't think it was canceled. I think it was just pushed back. No, but, it's definitely um, still a thing. I remember it still being on their list of of items coming up. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see where all that goes after uh, Multiverse of Madness. Woo! So after the events of Absolute Carnage, the Avengers admire Eddie Brock's heroism and selflessness, offering him a chance to join the Avengers. Unconvinced of his own worthiness, Eddie has to think about it, must deal with the consequences of Dylan keeping a small sliver of the Carnage symbiote. So at the end of Absolute Carnage, after Eddie has slain the Carnage Grendel Venom hybrid, uh, there's a small sliver of the Carnage symbiote left, which Dylan is able to control with his uh, powers, which have not been fully expressed or the extent of them known. And there's a couple issues of Venom where you see him uh, experimenting with the symbiote and his control over it. This is uh, Dylan, you said. Dylan, yes. Dylan Brock, Eddie's son. Let's uh, see what happens. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so eventually ends up with Eddie pursuing the sliver of Carnage's suit to... Uh, an island where a arc known as Venom Island has taken place before. Uh, he loses control of his suit and is temporarily controlled by Carnage. Uh, during this time, he also loses one of his hands and is psychically contacted by Dylan as he has now learned he has the ability to communicate with the symbiote hive without the presence of a symbiote of his own. Dylan helps him break free, where he reclaims Venom and sends a signal to the Avengers that he is still alive before they napalm the island, triggered by yeah. the events of the first Venom Island arc, and is rescued. guess my question is, mm -hmm. who is Dylan's mom? Um, in this particular book series, I'm not certain if it's still Anne Wang. 
Um, but it is shown in later books that uh, Anne Wang is still his mother in uh, parallel universes. Oh, okay. So uh, during this period of Marvel Comics, we get several small peeks into what is happening with Null and his conquest of the galaxy as he stampedes towards Earth and the Brox. And uh, surprisingly, there's not a ton of tie-in from some of the more spacey teams. Like, uh, I think there's a good one for the Guardians of the Galaxy that was out there, but there aren't, like, a number of books from that. There was, I think, only Guardians of the Galaxy number 9 that tied into this event. So uh, what you're saying is that there weren't a whole lot of spacefaring um characters in the uh in the marvel comics that ran into null as he made his way uh it just seems like the the focus on the books right now isn't the the spacefaring heroes so you just don't see a lot of books featuring them oh well, yeah okay uh so this leads us into venom beyond so on the roof of their apartment complex in new york city dylan tells eddie he can feel null coming just prior to the beginning of king and black and dylan Eddie and Dylan find themselves being hunted by a symbiote killer, which culminates in Maker's lab, Maker being the ultimate universe version of Reed Richards, where Eddie, Dylan, and the assassin known as Virus end up going through a portal Maker has been experimenting with since the events of Absolute Carnage. On the other side, it is revealed that it is a universe that is totally corrupted by symbiotes, with only a splinter faction of unlikely heroes able to fight back against their symbiote overlords. Dope. So we're into multiverse <laughs> portal-y, wormhole stuff. And I do have to say, the image in the comic book is kind of stargate The The one for this particular... Yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> more like, I think, hexagonal than like round, but it's, you know, the same idea. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have the picture available? I don't. I don't. Uh, I can send you a, a, a snappy snap in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but uh, so it's it's Stargate on one side and then uh, sliders on the other because there isn't a two-way gate. It's a one-way gate where they end up in this universe. Nice. So they they meet up with uh, Annie Wang uh, of that universe, Brock's former lover and wielder of the Venom symbiote in this world after the death of their Eddie Brock, mm-hmm. Peter Parker, Reed Richards, Deadpool, and Carnage. So a very different Carnage from uh, Earth 616's. Uh, this is Earth 1051. And did he bond with someone Carnage... who's not batshit? No, it just seems like uh, it had a different effect because it was a different circumstance where he bonded with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, pursued by the ruler of the symbiote world, Codex, Virus is captured and revealed to be one-time Venomware Mac Gargan, the Scorpion. So, uh, we see Scorpion uh, then transformed by one of the symbiotes of this world into a symbiotized Scorpion. Uh, Codex forces a confrontation between the heroes and himself, where Eddie finds out that Codex is this world's Dylan Brock, who has mastered his power and become akin to Null's avatar. Hard, yeah. So uh, it it goes from like, oh, it's this kid, you know, kind of discovering his powers and seeing what happens to, oh, this is what happens if 
shit fucks up. This is a common theme for all gods, seems like, in the uh, the Marvel Universe, where they choose avatars. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems uh, like that. I, I mean, like, it's, it's not exactly the same thing as this, because he didn't really choose him. I think he just became so powerful that he was working es- with Null. Essentially becomes Null's yeah. avatar. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so a hard-fought battle sees Earth 616 Dylan 616 Dylan Brock reach out to Earth 1051 Codex and give him all the experiences his life, including the fatherly love Codex never had after the death of his father. Ultimately ending the symbiote control of Earth 1051, leading to Eddie, Dylan, and Annie living as a family for a year on 1051 until their Reed Richards completes a gate back to Earth 616. Upon stepping out of the gate, Eddie and Dylan see only the lights of the city and a pitch black sky. Uh, another fun fact about this particular world um, is they run into symbiotized versions of the Avengers and some X-Men. And during the battles, they find out that uh, there's not people left inside of them, that they're just the symbiote, that they've totally absorbed the the host. Oh, shit. Now, this is, uh, this is Earth 1051? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they, it, in this arc, too, you also see uh, some form of any energy projection from Venom. Like he took over someone that had energy projection and then he just was able to... No, it just seemed that he was able to do it. Whoa. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think you see very much of that after this arc, though. No, no. I don't think so. No. Um, but... Uh, no, it's, no, no, A lot of stuff has happened no, no, no. to the Venom symbiote, like before this, where uh, uh, it you know it develops wings, it can fly. It's just like an example of them playing with the pliability of the character. Well, flexing it as, much, as far as they can go. Yes. I gotcha. All right, so now we come upon the core King in Black event. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to the Earth ceiling by Null, the Avengers in their dead celestial base, they live in a dead celestial, uh, scans the stars for signs of Null's arrival after Brock's warning at the end of Absolute Carnage. Tony Stark finds signs that Null's approaching Earth and turns the derelict starship starships still in orbit around the Earth from the Kotari Kree scroll conflict into a minefield, ultimately destroying half of Null's swarm of symbiote dragons on their approach. Nice. The Avengers attempt to contact Venom, but he is unreachable due to being in Earth 1051's universe until Null had already sealed Earth with a symbiote sphere. Trying to control the chaos, the Avengers enlist many of Earth's mightiest heroes, including the Fantastic Four and many X-Men, ultimately to see many of these heroes assimilated by the symbiotes. So this is kind of like going back to what happened in Absolute Carnage, where uh, you see... Um, normal people, heroes, uh, you know, carnageized by uh, little fragments of the suit as he attempts to uh, essentially take over the world. I but got, this I, time it's 
like black suit symbiotes. I gotta say, comic book lines like that really get me going. Those ones are awesome. Let's start with let's start with this one. That sounds really cool. I've never actually read this this uh, event, but the fact that the fact that they get taken over like that is just crazy. Yeah, and... this is like um, very similar to like the Avengers one, like how big that could have been. You know, oh yeah, like a, an alien invasion. Yeah, essentially. But, but this is like invasion of the body snatchers type stuff. And with DC, they did something kind of like that in The Blackest Night. That was really cool, where dead heroes would essentially rise from the grave, and now they work for, um, I forgot what it's called, the Black Lantern Corps. And then there's obviously Marvel Zombies. Now, that's not quite the same, but it's along the same line where everyone is dead, and now they have a single singular focus to eat everyone. Yeah, it's kind of like a twisting of the... uh like priorities and uh, alignment of heroes. That gets me going. That gets me up in the morning, if you know what I mean. Oh, for sure. That wasn't an innuendo, by the way. That was just like, uh, never mind. I'm gonna... <laughs> in your endo. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so even the sentry shows up to confront Noel, only to have his alter ego, the void, drawn out of him and to be torn in half, just as he had done to Carnage. Ooh, revenge. Yeah, I didn't compare the cells to see if it's exactly the same, but uh, it's definitely shown in a similar way. Well, the the way that he was torn in half? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's like, it, it's like reading Superman and being like, yeah, and Superman went to defeat the villain and was torn in half. Yeah. There are very few characters that can do that to Superman. Yes. Okay. Torn in half. Uh, so Tony Stark uses his extremist technology to seize and combine one of the damaged symbiote dragons to create a symbiote extremist Mark I armor. Eddie calls Tony to inform him that he's going to attack Null to buy time for the Avengers to come up with a solution, defeating Null, God of the Void. After dropping Dylan off at a bunker bar- borrowed from longtime Spider-Man character Ezekiel, Eddie goes to confront Null. During the battle, Null recognizes Eddie as the one who destroyed Grendel. Null grasps Venom and tells him that he plans to absorb Dylan as well, then rips away the Venom symbiote and tosses Eddie down to the streets below. I have to say, this particular scene in the book is really, really interesting because they do go through and have a couple different cells where he's in the process of falling and you're like, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Is he going to be saved? What's going to happen? Uh, so slamming into a vehicle on the ground below Brock's critically injured body is carried away by Spider-Man as the human torch tells them to seek out Reed at the fantastic four tower and holds back the tide as long as he can until ultimately even he is assimilated by the symbiotes. Jesus. So remember how we talk about how the symbiotes can gain powers and uh, traits and resistances from assimilating hosts. Yeah, they get they get something from their hosts. Right. So over time, that uh, issue where they are uh, ultimately incredibly vulnerable to fire and sound uh, does reduce and uh, the symbiotes that they're facing are symbiotes that have existed for just 
forever, like yeah. a long time. Uh, so they are less, uh, they're not, you know, Venom, they're not Carnage. They are just a whole nother power level. Uh, once Spider-Man gets Brock to the tower, retries everything he can to bring Brock back from the edge, while several of the remaining heroes talk about what to do and where they could start. Infinity Gems, the Ultimate Nullifier, the Cosmic Cube are all mentioned. Very, uh, in the meantime, very powerful devices for those who are yes. unaware. So literally reality changing things, but that are likely completely out of reach due to the uh, symbiote sphere sealing them in uh, and simply time. They're working on borrowed time. Borrowed. So in the meantime, Dylan has been brought to the tower to see his father. Reed suspects that using another symbiote could help heal Eddie, but the sample Tony brings back only begins to harm Eddie further. With the symbiote trying to kill Eddie, Dylan uses his powers to destroy the symbiote, and Richards realizes Dylan could be the key to victory. But then Eddie flatlines. Oh, no. And dies. He does die. Oh, man. Come on. What kind of suspense is that? It's like, oh, uh, he flatlines. Uh, and then, oh, does he die? And then, oh, no, he dies. He dies. Yeah. Anticlimactic right there, son. I mean, he dead. I mean, he's dead. It's already yeah. known. We've just gone over this. He's dead. He's dead. But is he? Yes, he's dead. Yeah, he's um, yeah. <laughs> uh, But also not dead. Because as we find out later in The King in Black, uh, Eddie's consciousness continues to exist in the Clintar Hive. Oh. Yes. Uh, before we talk about that, uh, these motion set events in uh, on the spinoffs in this particular event uh, for Thunderbolts, King in, King in Black, Namor 1 through 5, King in Black, Return of the Valkyries, among others. But these are uh, the books that uh, ultimately come out of what happens then. Uh, so Thunderbolts is based on William, uh, William, 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 <laughs> William. No, uh, cut that. Uh, nice. Wilson Fisk okay. recruiting a series of villains to help find some way to defeat Null. Mm. Uh, this one is particularly bloody. So if you're into that, read it. It's really interesting. It's got uh, Taskmaster. It has Star. It has, I think, Bartok the Leaper is in there. Interesting. Um, there's a bunch of like absolutely D-list villains in there, and it's great. Nice. So yeah, really interesting. Um, personally, Thunderbolts uh, during that same period of like New Avengers, Avengers Disassembled uh, was really really good. Uh, so this is not that, but uh, it is a very interesting take on the the team. Um, King in Black Namor is a little less focused. Namor is tasked with releasing um, some very very powerful villains from uh, undersea prison. Um, it mainly follows like uh, flashbacks with Namor. So 
uh, if you're really into that character, read that arc. But it doesn't have so much to do with the events of King in Black, really. And if you're excited for Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, definitely read up on Namor. So might as well start with Um, that one. Also, in current Avenger books, uh, Namor has been uh, essentially recruited to the team. Um, His kind of has arm twisted where he has to be on the team. Um, So that's he doesn't want to, but he doesn't want to. Well, I mean, he 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 doesn't oppose it like as much as you think, but he also like he doesn't he doesn't throw that much of a fuss. He just like yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'll find whatever. I'm not gonna be happy about it, but I'm gonna do it. Uh, This is. You know, better than something else could happen, but this is fine. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the standard dramatic Namor fashion. Uh, then King in Black Return of the Valkyries sees Jane Foster going to find maybe some super weapon that she could use to fight and defeat Null, uh, which she kind of does. Um, she actually uh, takes her horse and uh, rides past the corpse of the original celestial uh, that Null had decapitated, finds uh, the sentry's spirit there and returns to Valhalla in search for a weapon where she gets vague warnings about uh, other Valkyries that are engaged in battle with Null or maybe uh, needed to battle Null. And then this uh, eventually spawns the Valkyries book. I was going to uh, say, that I had thought... a, a small arc. I, I, yeah, I believe I, I, it was like Null and the Valkyries or the Return of the Valkyries or something. Yep, Return of the Valkyries. Yeah, that one. I I read a little bit about that one. It was it sounded pretty I would good. definitely read that one. I thought that had a really nice, interesting arc that was relevant to the core series. Awesome. Uh, well, that, I'll put that on the checklist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is a great place to like kind of disengage for a moment uh, mm-hmm. because it only gets deeper after this. So, uh, so I think we're going to cut this one a little short so that we can go over it next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll pick that, this back up next week. But um, uh, I, I think you've probably had enough time to gather your thoughts about, uh, you know, the, the permanence of things in the Marvel Universe. And let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear what you got. I think in that medium, with respect, it works. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. There's another uh, type of science fiction that does something very similar to that, but they don't really go into explanation about how they come back. You know what I'm saying? So I'll give you an example here. Doctor Who. Okay. The, the Master keeps showing back up. Now there are several times that we've seen, even in the new version of the series where the master is killed and we think it's permanent, but then they just show up with no explanation as to how they made it back. And it happens all the time, and it annoys me a little bit, but at the same time, it doesn't kill me on the show. So you've got to weigh whether or not you you hate it enough to stop watching the show, or if you've got to enjoy the absurdity of it to just continue on. Right now, in the comic books, it it's okay with me. I don't really care too much because the medium allows for it to be absurd like that, and you kind of expect absurdity. But there's probably a deeper, darker reason, and that upsets me more than the fact that they bring back the characters. 
is that they bring yeah. back the characters because they're popular characters and they want to make more money. Now, I'm not against making more money, but I don't want that to be the primary reason they bring back the character, especially if it's a, like a dead character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, right for me, like it does bringing something back take away from room for something new. So I'll, I'll talk point. about the, um, the death of Captain America. So, uh, you know, like that is a huge, huge thing. And like, they, they just brought him back after doing this whole long arc about like, uh, you know, the Falcon or winter soldier taking over for him. And they, you know, just to bring him back really felt like those whole arcs, like really didn't mean anything yeah. because it just ended up in, you know, Captain America being back. And like, yeah, there were other things that happened with that that did new things for Captain America's character, which was interesting. But I like, like, I love Captain America. I think Captain America is a really great, interesting character. I think that Captain America is essential to the success of marvel comics but like you, they, you don't want them to, to yeah they don't want you don't want them to come up with new stories for captain america when they could have come up with new stories for something else or something completely brand new like a brand right new they could have spent as much time as they wanted on um having you know the the challenge of sam wilson or uh I always forget the Winter Soldier's real name. Bucky. Uh, Bucky. Yeah, Bucky Barnes. Uh, like, trying to live up into that role and those arcs could have had so much, like, development information or even, like, a new character could have come into that. Like, uh, there is the character known as Patriot, I want to say, that was in the Young Avengers that uh, was Isaiah Bradley's, like, grandson. Yeah. Um. Now it's interesting we have we, we don't know how they're going to do that in the MCU yet because they've just removed a generation of characters for the first time recently yep. in uh, Avengers Endgame. There are rumors that that Robert Downey Jr could show back up at some point. I don't know about Chris Evans, but we'll we'll find out how they decide to play it, but it becomes more difficult in that kind of a medium because of the fact that the uh actors get older. And eventually they are going to pass away, so you can only do that for so long. And it's not like Robert Downey Jr. is as young as he used to be. That man's, no, no, definitely not. The man's lived a hard life, and uh, uh, the fact that he, every interaction I see with fans having with him say that he's the nicest guy in the whole freaking world. Uh, especially one of the stories about him having um, saved a woman's life who was having a heart attack or something, or, or, or had uh, started to bleed out or something like that, where he came to her aid instead of just sort of walking past her. He's not he's not on another level. He considers himself at par with everyone else, which is how everyone should treat everyone else. But we're not going to get into that. And that particular... But they have, to, they have to pass the torch eventually. They have because... to push it. Yeah, they have to push it forward at some point because it's not going to remain... But like yeah at some point he's gonna he will pass away and you know what are they gonna do make 10 more movies with like uh cgi age it's not like they could enhance tony stark not that they couldn't do it but like should they do it and i would say no 
I would I say, say it's for this better point. for the bottom line, better for art for it to be new. Especially since we've seen what they can do with um, deep fakes. Like right. we saw Mark Hamill playing young Mark Hamill in The Mandalorian. Well, do you do you even know like the extent of how much of that was actually Mark Hamill? Because it wasn't as much as you it, think it was. I mean, he had a body double. All he really provided were the were the lines. That's all he, he said, really did. I think from the uh, documentary, not even all the lines were from him. Really? Yeah, that even some of them were just stuff that had been generated. Fascinating. So, like the. It, even if they're like going in that route where they don't need like exact people or they like license their likeness and, and how know, to, who the hell do you a pay at that point? Do whatever. But like, I don't want to see Iron Man 30. Like, I'm sure there are enough storylines to support it, but like, you know, there's other stuff out there. There's other that characters they could be doing. There are other characters. There's successors to Iron Man. There's uh, Ironheart, which there's, is having her own show. Oh yeah, there's decades um, of there's decades of uh, storylines with hundreds of thousands of characters that they will that if the MCU lasts for a thousand years, they'll still only be halfway through. Yes, what and is already existing I've, now, not necessarily what's going to exist in the future. Like I think they're right on the cusp now of needing a new batch of heroes that are going to be their standbys for like the next 30 years characters that are going to supersede the golden age characters of iron man mr fantastic captain america all the old like standbys that you know i are eventually going to have to uh, take a back seat yeah to to something new yeah so that it can stay fresh because you know the whole point of that is to to keep you know engaging with something you love. Yes, the whole point is is, is entertainment, and for some people, it's a it's a lifestyle. You know, I don't yeah, think, I mean, maybe not look, lifestyle, but dedicated more than an hour and a half to just you know talking about like one character basically. Yeah, and, so these characters uh, end up becoming part of someone's family and people take that seriously and i know they live their lives like uh they like to show off they put stickers on their cars they have if you're a smaller child you bring notebooks with stickers in it and stuff like that or have a book bag dedicated to spider-man but when you get older and these characters have been with you for your entire lives like i'm gonna tell you right now at the end of infinity war there was a void in my heart for all the characters that just disappeared in the snap and that was built over an entire decade of emotions that are wrapped up in all of these stories with all of these characters that i've grown accustomed to and then it was i'm not ashamed to say that i cried when spider-man you know faded away into dust because i love i love spider-man yeah and like the portrayal by tom holland and uh really the way it, it was all treated the way that was, it was the way that RDJ's Iron Man was affected by it really, really hit. Yeah, me. and it was is really like well done mm-hmm. and interacted like, but like you know what are they gonna do? Uh, another moment like that down the road, that's just not gonna work. No, you've got to create new characters like, and get us attached to those characters now. Like I, yeah, I I, I, I hate to say it, but the. What do, you, what do they call it when two girls have a bromance? 
I feel like it should be called something other than bromance. Uh, I feel bad for any any girls who are listening because I, I feel like this I mean, is something like, I girls, should know. Girls could be bros. I'm going to go with bromance. The bromance between Kate Bishop and uh, Yelena Belova, I really want to see more of that. That was yes. almost as good as... Well, actually, it was better than, than Sam Wilson and uh, Steve Rogers. For sure. I felt that was a, <clears throat> that was one of those things that just... <laughs> Made me laugh, especially in the whole the whole Hawkeye show. Speaking of Hawkeye, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Moon Knight. Gotta say, breaking news that I just read an hour or so ago before we started this. They're limited series. Yep. There will be no season twos. They are officially limited series. The only one currently slated for a season two is Loki. I mean, I, I think, honestly, that's probably... The way it's going to go, and we'll just get a whole bunch of these limited series, so we see nice little slivers of the Marvel universe and the stuff that's really popular. Will end up getting into like the main event movies. Yeah, but we are going to see more of uh, Oscar Isaac in the future. For he's sure, already, he's already signed a large contract, so he's definitely going to appear somewhere else. Oh yeah, I mean they wouldn't have made the series if he wasn't. No, for sure. Honestly, yeah. Nice. So, but uh, yeah, nice. I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. All right. So Ryan, I was uh, looking at all of our location stuff, and I saw that there's someone in Brussels who has downloaded nine times from us. I have to assume oh. all nine episodes of ours. Nice. Uh, so we have to we have to give a shout out to the Brussels guy, or or girl, or so, anything yeah. in between. Thanks, uh, Brussels person. Thanks, Brussels human. We appreciate also, we appreciate you. you guys listening to we us. We appreciate you. It's very nice to see that uh, someone keeps downloading us more than once. Um, also, shout out to a dude or a dudette or anything in between from Oregon, who I see yeah. has downloaded multiple times from us. It's nice to know we're not just shouting into the void. Yeah. It is nice to know. For uh, <coughs> everyone else, thank you for listening. Keep listening, and tell a friend. You know, yeah. Don't uh, don't keep us to yourself. Put it on in the car. Lock the doors, and uh, you know, don't let them out till it's over. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I assume is happening with all of our downloads. Someone is being forced to listen to it as torture. I uh, I mean. Hey, dude, I feel like it'd be pretty effective. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, please tell everybody about us. Word of mouth is awesome. Keep on keep an eye on our Twitter and our Facebook. That's all we got for this week on Comic Book Fridays. Join us next week where we keep going with the King in Black series while Ryan discusses everything about it because I have no idea <laughs> about <laughs> it at all. However, join us at Stargate Sundays. Um, this week we're going over Cold Lazarus. Cold Lazarus. This is a quintessential episode with a very alien planet uh, okay. where Jack is knocked unconscious and a duplicate, a du- duplajack, as I like to say, <laughs> a duplajack will take over uh, for him and we'll get to see what happens there. So join us then. Join us next week. Um, 
We wish you seven days to rock and stone, everybody. Seven days to rock and stone, Guardians. Later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.